Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. Now, holy guacamole, we're not at Tula Tacos. We're on location, as they say in the biz, a few blocks down Jefferson Street at Ami Grocery Store. Uh, if you followed downtown development over the last few years, that's kind of a big deal. There's always been this chicken and egg kind of thing happening with residential development and grocery stores downtown. That's because developers say they won't build apartments because there isn't a grocery store, and grocery stores won't come because there weren't people living here, right? So into that quagmire stepped my guests, Bradley Cruz and Rachel Brown, who opened their first grocery store, The Handy Stop, in 2020, and it had a good run. But closed in 2022. They didn't stay out of the grocery game for very long. They're back with Ami Grocery. It's a pared-down shop. I'm looking around here, it's like an upscale bodega, and you can grab food from the, the deli. You can grab some home goods, that kind of thing. Uh, the timing this time seems better. Downtown has enjoyed a good bit of residential development since the handy stop. Uh, and now, um, a bit about our guest, Bradley Cruz grew up in the grocery business. Um, his family operated a store in the New Orleans area. He is a registered nurse by trade and has been heavily involved in community health initiatives. Rachel Brown is actually Dr. Brown. She's the principal of Lafayette High School. She was a not-so-silent investor in the Handy Stop where she fell in love with the grocery game. Dr. Brown is also a sign language instructor and interpreter. Bradley and Rachel of Ami Grocery, welcome to Out the Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so Bradley, you're the bre- you're the veteran here, so I'm going to put the veteran question to you, which is, so y- you start, you know, handy stop, and then you come back with the new store. I mean, timing is always everything in business. What made you think that the timing was maybe better now, or the, maybe I'm even asking the question wrong. I mean, was timing really not a factor? Oh, well, certainly uh, timing impacted the, our first uh, store, you know, with the global pandemic, social unrest, political upheaval, mm-hmm. hurricane season, a freeze, all that stuff. Um, but that was in our business plan, believe it, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I'd but, love to see that pro forma, yeah. yeah. But certainly, um, fast forward two years later, uh, we've got the data. We have more people living uh, downtown, as we say, more heads in the beds. And uh, we know what people are interested in, what they're looking for. And so that's what uh, Rachel and I were really focused on with, with this endeavor and uh, being long-term friends, uh, the changing the name to Ami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so Rachel, you know, you're splitting time here with what I... I know is a very demanding job and grocery stores are like notoriously low margin. So of all the side hustles in the world, why did you land on a grocery store? It's so fun. It's a different space, different environment, different people. Um, I don't want to say it's a reprieve, but it is a reprieve. It's a different space for me to be in. So I can use my brain space from six to three at the schoolhouse and then come over here in the evenings and learn new things, do new things and occupy different brain space. Uh, that's challenging and stimulating for me in a different way. Here. I am genuinely impressed by that, that you're like doing six to three and then coming back in the evening because I, I do like my eight to five and then saying to myself, OK, so what time can I go to sleep? Can I go to sleep at seven o'clock? That's really where I'm Yeah, I don't, do, like I don't time well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that's sort of interesting here, too, right, is you've transitioned from one version of this iteration to another. I mean, how did you guys decide 
what to stick? I mean, like, what, what were the popular things that you made, you know, really want to keep? I mean, I know you would done, I think, deli items and things like yeah. that at Handy Stop, too. So, I mean, was it just that you knew that folks were really interested in that because that was what, you know, seemed to be doing well? I mean, how did you kind of land on, on how to scope this version of it? Well, uh, you know, first on the location, we both fell in love with this location here in Gordon Square Building um, at the corner of Jefferson and Vermilion Street, as Rachel likes to say, at the intersection of food and friendship. Yeah. And, and so we fell in love with the space and kind of worked with that. What can work in this space? How can we operate in, in the space, which is a third of the other, third size of the other space? And then we looked at the data. Um, you know, uh, in God we trust, all others show me data. And so we looked at that data and, and what was selling, what was not selling, and what were people looking at. But we stayed focused on those two core values of locally sourced goods and healthier food options. Yeah, so, so I think both of you would uh, admit under oath that you're not chefs. I mean, how do you develop that concept? I mean, is it that, you know, you're trying to do a spin on the turkey sandwich or whatever, or is it that you've got just, you know, look, look, the reality is we're in a building with offices. We know that people are going to buy a turkey sandwich one way or another. Um, well, like you said, we did both quantitative and qualitative research. Okay. We did uh, data crunching. What works? What do we know sells? Yeah. And then we also had conversations with the people down here. What do you like? What do you want us to carry for you? Mm-hmm. What do you want to take home to your family in the evenings or cook on the weekends or what have you? So we did a lot of that research to come together and decide, okay, we need to tweak our previous menu to what we know is going to sell, what our people want, what do our residents and, and business owners locally want to see. So we had some things carry over, and then we're trying some new things too, some new vendors and new items just to see what works and putting our own spin on it mm-hmm. uh, and, and making it an experience as a whole. But what sort of new things did y'all, are y'all trying out? Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> He's in well, the more than we're, I have. we're working on um, a stuffed bread with Longlinase French bread, okay. and again, locally sourced goods. Um, we're doing, uh, brought back our Taco Bout Healthy Bowl, but adding a new spin to it on um, some grilled proteins on that, and really sticking with those healthier options. Um, and we started doing a lot more catering than what we had done before, and, and people are really looking for our, our world famous uh, chicken salad, our quote unquote world famous chicken salad. Um, but just taking some of those um, healthier options, putting out a little spin on it, and like Rachel said, seeing what works. Yeah, this is hallowed chicken salad ground, I'll let you know. Because I used to be a very, very frequent customer of the Poupard's chicken salad. That was oh, in yeah? this building. I'm a chicken salad guy, so I'll try that out. Um, so, I mean, how much of it then, you guys are talking a lot about the prep foods, the deli aspect of it. I mean, and how much of that is, of your, of your business right now is actually what people tend to think of as groceries, right? Folks coming in and buying stuff that they're going to bring home and cook or prep it, you know. So in a new location, that really has flipped. Yeah. Um, now the deli is probably 75, 80% of the business, um, and we're growing the grocery side. But understanding that we don't have our alcohol and permit yet, which we will be getting, uh, we're in that process. And then uh, we're in the process of receiving the SNAP EBT, the food stamp uh, yeah. ability. So that will grow the business. But the deli really is driving uh, the business right now, probably 75%. So is the idea, you know, visions are visions, right? But is the idea that you can use sort of the the deli process to eventually kind of grow out what would then be the grocery store? I mean, it's like, I guess all that to say, like, expansion plans. And it's very early to sort of talk expansion, but I mean... You know, it seemed to me that the, the, the hard nut to crack when it came to a grocery store, right, is this sort of how many people do you need before you can justify that kind of, you know, retail on your shelves. So, be, I mean, do you have a sense of 
when you would like to do it or how you would get there? We let our customers drive that. We talk all the time every week uh, when we're doing our inventory checks and, and our you know, checks and balances. We talk about what do people want that we don't have yet? How can we get it? How can we uh, modify our inventory to what downtown needs and wants? Um, we'd love to grow. Everybody does. We want to see more growth, but we want to make sure it's sensible, logical, and profitable and, and providing downtown with what we've promised to provide them. So I, I said kind of in the introduction to this that, you know, kind of walk in, you see a pocket-sized store, and the first thing that springs to people's minds is they think of bodega if you spend a lot of time in a major city. I mean, does that feel like a right term for y'all? I mean, or do you, like, when I say bodega, you're, you're like, yes, we're a bodega. We embrace being a bodega. Yeah. Or are you like, no, we're something completely different? I mean, that's a Spanish term, and we're more Francais, right, with the <laughs> Ami title. Sure. So we'll, we'll claim it, and then we'll switch yeah. languages here. And, and we've also incorporated sign language uh, for obvious reasons of... of bringing that aspect into it. Um, so, yes, bodega style. Yeah. But we wanted a vibe of come in, feel the fun and the friendly atmosphere, grab something to go, and then leave with a feeling that you want to come back to, mm-hmm. an experience that stays with you, yeah. that friendly interaction, that experience of tasting something unique and wonderful and saying, I want to do that again because it only took me five minutes to get in and out. Uh, and I got what I needed and wanted it. It was great. So it's a whole experience and a whole vibe here. So bodega, yes, but uh, a little... Um, nook of, of friendship and fun yeah. also is there a yeah. french term for a bodega or is it <laughs> i mean ami grocery ami grocery of right. course how do you say bodega in french ami grocery right 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 <laughs> that's right i mean bradley is it, it, it you know when i think of the term bodega right i mean I, I i think of family that i have in new york right and you have a bodega like literally down the street from your building or whatever and you're gonna pop in just like rachel said and it might be somebody in the neighborhood in other words who's just kind of hopping in for an apple or a bag of chips or whatever who are the people that are coming in? Is it folks that are mostly working downtown or is it folks that live nearby? I mean, I kind of want to get a sense of the culture that you're building here. Yeah. So bodega is a, uh, is a good reference term, um, but that's our style. Yeah. And, and those who are shopping here certainly are those who live and work downtown. Um, for the most part, it is uh, those who are living in, uh, working, at, should I say, in the building here at Gordon Square and across the street at Chase Towers. Um, but it's also those who are living in a municipal, and we still have our, our loyal customers coming down from Evangeline Apartments. Yeah. Um, and so from both sides of, uh, and uh, I'm pointing, so both sides of you know, Johnson Street and Congress are coming over for the groceries as well, those who, who live in the neighborhood. So I like to say it's those who live, work, play, and pray in downtown Lafayette. Um, but for right now, it's mostly those who are working downtown. You know, I, going back to sort of the question of the, the scale and everything, I mean, do you all have a sense of how many people would need to live downtown for you to, to turn, to get to that sort of like bigger grocery store style? I mean, is, is there a, a magic number, well, in other Bradley's words? Bradley's got mathematical formulas that live in his head. I just say, whoever's down here, they better come down to oh, us. Sure. You know, the more that are here, the more likely they're going to come down to us. So it doesn't matter to me as long as they all come and, and purchase with us. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, um, you know, there is no magical number, as you mentioned earlier, the chicken and the egg. And so um, I don't know which one we are, but. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're a grocery store, you're, you're the chicken and the egg. Yeah, right? we're, we're both yeah. to, to we everyone. Both. Yeah. And so um, you mentioned earlier the growth, and our growth is, as Rachel said, is really customer by customer, shelf by shelf. We don't have uh, a vision of expanding size, but it's just expanding the variety of items that we may offer. Um, for instance, uh, someone in an office upstairs earlier last week asked about a certain type of water. Sure, I, I can get that for her. Um, and, and in cases, sure, I can get that. So that's something that they can do here, 
that they can't do at a bigger uh, grocery store. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with Bradley Cruz and Rachel Brown of Ami Grocery. For, for our listening audience, which is our only audience, um, the, the I'm sitting here in front of a display of freeze-dried goods, right? Like there is a freeze-dried ice cream sandwich bag. I think there's maybe some M&M, peanut M&Ms. Freeze-dried Skittles. Freeze-dried Skittles. Yes. So where did that stuff come from? I mean, was that something that somebody came in and was like, look, guys... I'm a hard-working lawyer, and I just got a hankering that I need you to finish. I need you to f- source me some freeze-dried ice cream sandwiches. Where did that come from? That's a local vendor. There's okay. a business called Freeze Dat, and we love to support our local businesses that surround us because they support us. Yeah. So it's an ecosystem. So um, we had her products at our previous location, and they sold really well. So we were excited to call her back, and, and she came right to us and delivers as often as we need, sometimes weekly to what the customers request. Uh, so lots of freeze-dried snacks that fly off the shelves. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of local stuff? I mean... Yeah, so initially we went to the farmer's market and identified items and products that we thought would do well, had conversations with the vendors, and nearly all of those vendors came back here and were talking to us, when are you coming back? When are you gonna open? Um, and so we have a lot of those same vendors, you know, Josie's Goods or Magnolia Moon Teas and Lemonade. So, uh, um, it's really important for us to have that local vibe because we'll get customers on Saturday who are, are visiting Lafayette and want that local feel and so they want some um, souvenirs to take back home and what's better than taking a flavor of Lafayette back with you. Yeah. Uh, is there something that, you know, if I were a customer at the Handy Stop and I fell in love with there that you guys don't do now because of either the space or because it just didn't make sense with the new approach? A walk-in cooler. <laughs> if you can hear the desperate in my voice, yes. Um, that was, uh, you know, my gem. You know, we, we came up with that idea. It was a, it was a, a vault for the bank that we turned into a walk-in cooler, cool which idea. served many purposes for us as, as we grew in the business. Um, but it's not something we have. But instead of having 50 or 60 facings of beer, we'll have the 10 or 12 or 20 that really sell that people are looking for. Hmm. Um, and so, again, the customers will drive what is in that cooler. Yeah. Rachel? Yeah, the same. There's nothing that we missed. I mean, we brought everything over that we wanted to, and uh, we just get a feel every single day for what people want and what we enjoy making. So, Do, do they ever want anything that really surprises you where you're just like, okay, man. Yes. I, I we were just talking last night about a customer request, and we both went, what? Okay, we'll make it. I mean, it's going to sell, and she wants it. Great. But what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've tried to talk customers out of uh, adding certain things to their sandwiches, and they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, but just know, I don't think it's going to be that great, but I'll make it for you. And, you know, but it's their taste buds, and I have to remember that. (laughs) It's not mine. Okay, so so it's not necessarily like an item, like somebody coming to you and and asking for a soccer ball or something like that. But, you know, they're putting something weird, something that some people might think is weird on a sandwich. I don't want to judge people's. Something unique on their sandwich. Yeah, Yeah, something unique. Okay, I got it. I got it. Hey, we're friendly. No judgment. You tell us that you want it. We'll make it for you and hope you're happy and come back for it again. Yeah. Um, So, like, one thing that I've noticed, right, um, is that there's going to be the kind of product that you get requests for, people who say whatever. I understand that you guys are coming at it from a data-driven perspective, but i got to imagine there still has to be this kind of cat-and-mouse game of being able to say, like, well, let's give this a shot. Sometimes customers... um, there may be something that they want, they don't know that they want it yet, right? I mean, do, do you find that you're having to sort of play that game at all? Like keep up with grocery trends as much as there are grocery trends? I don't follow the market that closely, to be no, honest. No, but we're, we 
it will make a recommendation. So if someone's buying something sweet, um, we'll recommend, hey, this is a Haydell's gooey cake from New Orleans. It's mm -hmm. really good. People are buying it. I mean, I eat it at home. Why don't you try this? And then they come back for that and realize, wow, I was missing out. I didn't know about this. So recommending things along the lines of what their tastes already are, uh, more than selling a new item or a new product. Hey, we've got this that's really selling well, and, and I like it myself. Why don't you try it? And that's what makes the partnership work so well is, you know, Rachel takes that kind of that right brain approach, creative, and I'm the data-driven guy. And so looking at those um, profit margins and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, but really, who thought you would need freeze-dried candy in your life? And we've got the customers. Yesterday, she was FaceTiming her child at home, showing her here are the varieties that we have. And the yeah. child was picking them out, uh, for a teenager, should I say, was picking them out <laughs> yeah. uh, from home. So uh, that's kind of that friendliness fair that we can bring to the table. So I'm curious then if I'm a vendor and I'm, have interest maybe in trying to sell in your shop. How does that work? Are you guys doing that on you know commission? I mean, I've 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 I've, I've never made anything anybody wanted to buy, so I don't know how to do that. It really depends on the product, but both. So whether it's consignment or we purchase and resale like a regular typical item, uh, it just really depends on that item. But we're back with the grass-fed beef and pork and chicken and local goods as well as the candy that we've been talking about and Josie Goods and the teas and lemonade. So um, if someone has that interest, you know, give us a call and we'll talk about it and have that conversation and see what's going to work best for that vendor, but mostly for that product, that particular product. Hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot has been made of, of just the idea that downtown really is seeing a bit of, of regrowth, of momentum, however people want to frame it. And I guess just from y'all's perspective, I mean, how much has it even grown in the two years since you've kind of embarked on this endeavor? This endeavor meaning like being the grocery store proprietor in downtown. I mean, has downtown really changed that much for folks who aren't paying close attention? It certainly has grown. Um, the, the numbers show that on the number of um, units that are filled, the, the occupancy rates ha have grown, the number of units that are available have grown. Um, and so, and we certainly see that anecdotal foot traffic, you know, certainly after the pandemic. Uh, 2021 was a, a spike in business for us. Mm -hmm. um, and now 2022 is still continuing that, that trend on staying busier than what we had seen previously. So uh, I think the data shows that and anecdotally, we would say that, that foot traffic uh, has continued continue to grow, even though we're in the summer, uh, so I can't wait for what the fall and that cooler weather will bring. Mm -hmm. Here's kind of a silly question that maybe you guys can't answer, but surely there was a downtown grocery store in, in the before times, right? I mean, I don't mean obviously in the last 20, 25 years, but I mean, like, you would think, just given historically, mid-20th century, something like that, surely people who worked downtown, which was the center core of, I mean, they would have to have somewhere to buy bread right <laughs> it's my understanding that we were the first grocery store in over 20 years over 20 um, years. and so as a traditional grocery store that offered milk and canned goods and cleaning supplies as well as the fresh produce fruits and vegetables and that sort um, we were the first one in over 20 years is my understanding and so um, technically it's what's called a food desert where you don't uh, citizens or, or residents don't have the uh, availability of fresh fruit and vegetable within a half mile. And so we filled that void. Um, downtown Lafayette is no longer a food desert because of our presence. Hmm. And when we went away, it became a food desert again, just a mirage, and now we're back. <laughs> and we're filling that void. But there is that technical term from um, the USDA, yeah. and we are filling that void. But anecdotally, we're filling that void for the people who live downtown who are seeking out that healthier lifestyle or just need a loaf of bread. Yeah. 
Rachel, is that a big part of your interest in this? I mean, the idea that you're, you're providing something more than just a retail product, that you're, you're kind of fixing a gap on the food supply chain? Well, I love service. Service brings me joy, and serving alongside my best friend is so much more fun. Um, so, but it's the people for me. It's the interactions. It's the Meeting the need is satisfying, but also the everyday encounters, the conversations, the day-to-day that goes on in downtown Lafayette is, is fascinating. It's interesting. It's stimulating. I enjoy the... Um, the relationships and the conversations and just the social aspect of, of this market. So I guess this all begs it a question all by itself, which is, I mean, would you have opened a grocery store not downtown? Like, was this about, I really want to open a grocery store and I want it to be downtown, or was it, I want, to gro- I want a grocery store? Yeah, absolutely not. I wouldn't do this anywhere else. And I was asked that when we were closing uh, Handy Stop, uh, if I was going to do this somewhere else, and and that was an easy no for me. Um, And it's part of the reason is that, uh, you know, I love the vibe. I love the culture of downtown. Um, You know, working, as you mentioned in the intro, with community health and wellness, there was that need here. I, I didn't have a connection to anywhere else in Lafayette. In fact, we were asked early on if we would open up grocery stores in other small communities. And I'm like, well, you know, this is our community. And, and so um, we took ownership of that here in downtown. But um, I, I would be hard-pressed to do this anywhere else. Yeah, this is our backyard. I mean, this is our, our living space. Um, uh, my school is, is a mile down the road. Our homes are less than a mile away. This is our literal backyard. These are our neighbors. This is where we have invested our energy um, for a reason. This is where we feel connected. And the idea bred out of uh, when I was in Leadership Lafayette and we were sitting um, at... Uh, the bar across the street from where where um, Test Drugs is located, and that building was for sale. And uh, my leadership buddy said, "Well, why don't we buy it? Let's look at it. Uh, downtown needs a grocery store. Bradley, you know, you opened a grocery store. You're in that business." And and um, we started doing a little research. It was probably five, six years ago now, and we kind of put the brakes on it. But that really got my interest, and started doing the research. And uh, literally, I chose a corner catacorn from where we were sitting and I'm like okay uh, now's the time to do it we started that research but so it was really uh, born out of living and working and playing in downtown Lafayette. Rachel what about you is it was it primarily the interest of getting involved in a grocery store or was it the idea of getting involved in an enterprise downtown? Uh, both for me and again it's the investment in my backyard and um, a family business and, and something my students and my stakeholders in my school life mm-hmm. can come and partake in it's so much fun to see both worlds collide so we talk about interdisciplinary connections right so this is bringing together people in my life um, different aspects of my life in a way that's unique that I can't find anywhere else so but I'll, I'll add to that you know um, it's a family business so friends that own it you know, her sons have worked here. My daughters uh, helped me start both businesses. My daughter's working here today. So it's really the aspect of being part of the community and our own personal community, our family, but, uh, and then bringing that to the local community that we have here downtown. So one thing you mentioned earlier was that you are stocking, you know, some general produce, right? You talked about some, like, grass-fed beef and things like that. I mean, I mean, to what extent when you're trying to figure out you know, how to pencil out a new product? Are you having to think about, well, grocery stores, you're dealing with things with shelf lives, right? I mean, I understand, of course, you probably have frozen products. Even that has a shelf life. I mean, how do you even factor that into the cost? Like the idea that something like that's going to, if that doesn't sell, right, you don't just wait till somebody comes and buys that TV. It's like, well, that that Apple's not going to be any good anymore in about 
three weeks. So a lot of most of the products that we have, the fresh products, we can use in the dishes that we prepare. For instance, um, limes. Today we've got our taco salad that we're doing for a catering um, appointment, and we use that lime to make our lime cilantro uh, sauce that goes into it. So um, that's very strategic. We had mustard greens, and we had collard greens, and we had four different potatoes. Well, that doesn't work anymore. Not only the space, but the data showed that they didn't sell. And, um, and it's really hard to take those types of items and make another dish with them. Um, and so we, we were sticking with not only the demand, but what can be repurposed into another dish. Does it take a lot to just do the procurement side of this? I mean, like, I get an image of, like, you know, I think maybe trucks and trucks and trucks that might be going to like a Rouse's or something like that but it seems like to curate a space like this would seem like you have to spend a lot of time finding the products even if especially if you're responding to customer needs and things like that I mean how, how much time do you have to spend actually procuring things um, it is a challenge but as we continue to uh, learn what is needed and uh, desired and what is selling it becomes easier and easier yeah you know, I use the, the relationship we have with our, our sales reps in those uh, big businesses and say hey here's what I'm looking for and they do a lot of that work um, on their own um, but uh, I'll go to a, a Kevin Guidry produce and say here's what I'm looking for and they help me out with that as well mm -hmm. so a lot of it is that business to business partnership that works so well uh, here in Lafayette yeah, I mean, no doubt you, you kind of dig into most business sectors. You're always struck at just how much of these things are built on relationships and community, right? And you guys picked a really good brand name for that, too, yes. right? I mean, we're all here making groceries and making friends. Um, thank you so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch Acadian. My guests today on Out to Lunch Acadian have been Bradley Cruz and Rachel Brown of Ami Grocery. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation Find out more about Rachel and Bradley by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe to that podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from the show on itsacadiana.com in theory and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Boyles. Our technical producer is Eric Earl. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show is engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Vader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit news outlet. For more stories deeper than the headlines, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. See you here again next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 